My name is Eric Shute. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Brock, an editor for the Daily Emerald, and I'm joined here today with one of my writers, Dana Alston. Hello, hello. Today we're going to talk about movie adaptations of video games and kind of basically how they don't work, kind of the ones uh, that haven't worked recently. Or ones that have ever worked. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert, <laughs> there aren't many. Ones that may or may not be coming out in the future and how we think they're going to do just based on, you know, history. <laughs> so let's just start the discussion with why don't video games work as movies? That's a, that is a big question with a lot of answers. I'm a huge video game nerd and have been have been playing them since I was a little kid, but I'm also a huge movie nerd. And I think there's a fundamental disagreement in the in the two forms that prevents one from being adapted into the other. Video games, by definition, and by sort of as they come into their own as an art form, which they have been doing for the past, I think, 20 years, in order to get the messages across and to take a full advantage of the genre, they need, they require player interaction. It's a genre that, rec- that allows for genres like first-person shooters or these games that take place in first person or don't take a place in first person. Regardless, it, they always make a point. The, the great video games always make a point of having the player inhabit what's happening on screen and affecting what's happening on screen in yeah. one way or another. Movies are the complete opposite. It's one thing to have a movie that you feel engrossed in, but fundamentally you cannot take part in the action that happens on screen. And it's part of their strength. I mean, you wouldn't ask you, you don't move around a painting when you go to a museum Similarly, you can't move around a character when you go to a movie. Yeah, and I think that's the fundamental difference. As a person playing a video game, you're inherently kind of part of that world. Maybe not, you know, in the real sense, but you're doing things in the game. You're interacting with the world, and, you know, those interactions have some kind of effect. Sometimes the effect's bigger than others. Like, sometimes you decide the fate of the world through your actions, and sometimes you're kind of just along for the ride. But kind of the idea is that... For one reason or another, you experience this world firsthand instead of just kind of as an outside observer. Yeah, absolutely. And as as the form has, as video games have progressed, uh, and I said, mentioned that they've come come into their own over the past twenty years. During that time period, and we're still experiencing it now, video games have taken advantage of player interaction more so than they have at any previous time in their history. And I think we can look to some genres really opening up as a as a an indication of that for example the open world genre grand theft auto or red dead redemption pretty much everything made by rockstar the strength of those games is the fact that it's a huge environment and you get to do what you want in that environment and it's in movies you don't get to move the camera wherever you want and that's fine that's how movies work but video games work a different way and i think it it's it's important to know the distinction between the two, and I think it's a distinction that's been sorely missed by Hollywood executives who have tried to move video games onto the silver screen. Yeah, I definitely think that you're kind of, in a movie, you're along for the run. You're seeing what they want you to see, and you really don't have a choice. In a video game, you can kind of go and, you know, if you want to go do the big main story, you can, or you can just run off into the woods for an hour and mm-hmm. chase foxes or discover some random dungeon and mess about in there for... however long you want let's talk about probably the biggest video game movie to come out recently warcraft and (laughs) that is based on you know basically the largest game ever made 
um, the most profitable, probably the most widespread, like it's a huge country, millions of players. People who didn't play video games began to play video games because of Warcraft. Oh yeah, it's huge and it has a very big world, not just in the sense of the in-game world, but kind of like the lore and the story and just all the different uh, things that go into this. There's not just the game. There's the games that came before World of Warcraft. Right. There's uh, like novelizations, comics, all kinds of stuff. And there's this huge fleshed out story. And for the most part, they made a movie that didn't really (laughs) take what they had and turn it. Now, my honest opinion, I'm obviously a huge fan of Warcraft. Right. all the stories they could have told, this was the most boring. So I guess we should give a brief synopsis of what they told, and yeah. I'll leave that to you since you're a bigger fan of the universe, and I will just get all the names wrong. Totally. So the basic gist of the Warcraft world is that there's this world called Azeroth, and in there there's all kinds of creatures, dwarves, elves, trolls, humans, all kinds of stuff. But the first game, the first game, and more importantly this movie, focuses on the conflict between the humans and the orcs, who are from another world, which, due to them using dark magics, they've inadvertently destroyed their own world, so they fled to this new world. Azeroth. Azeroth. And so the conflict there is really, they're running, they have nowhere to go, so they're coming here and are obviously getting to fight with humans for all kinds of reasons um, to kind of bring the rest of their people to this world of Azeroth they need to capture humans and use them their like soul energy to fuel this portal. Again, right. and, it gets very complicated. And yeah, to, the basically, there's a there's a an orc who teams up with a human because the orc leader has become corrupt and evil. Yeah, one of the things this movie does in its favor is, is I think they do a very good job of humanizing the orcs, which is something the Warcraft series definitely does. Comparing to say Lord of the Rings, the orcs aren't just horrible monsters that kill and murder everything. Yes, they do kill and murder a lot of stuff, but there's sure. more to them than that. Right. And they try to convey this in the movie. I think they've probably done it better than any other movie. Yeah, I actually but. think that's one of the more successful aspects of the film. They do a pretty good job of humanizing the orcs. And the process behind how they filmed that is pretty interesting. They had actors basically do motion capture, and they had a huge amount of computer graphics go into making them look empathetic. Yeah. Um, which And they pull it off, and there's a very relatable story, or not relatable necessarily, but understandable story of the orc hero and his wife trying to save their son, Thrall, who becomes a huge character later in the franchise. Yeah. Conversely, one of the worst aspects of the entire film are the human characters and how goddamn thin they are. They are so thin. And this movie is two and a half hours long. There was not a single point that I cared anything about the human side of the story. Now, kind of a word on that. I think it's because they introduced a lot of useless human characters that really didn't they didn't really have a point in the story. Sure, they made the humans a little more interesting, I guess. Mm-hmm. But what I would have preferred is this story is also drastically different from the original story, which uh, it doesn't turn out as well for the humans as right. it does. Like humans lose in the original right. um, version of this. The, their big city gets burned to the ground. Basically, everyone important dies. Yeah. But in this movie, instead. I feel like they were kind of like trying to make it a Lord of the Rings. They have this big council meeting of all these different like right. And it, it, it comes across as as if they're stealing elements from the most yeah. successful fran- fantasy franchises. Which bringing this back around to like why it didn't succeed as a video game adaptation, 
I think Blizzard, the developer of the game, put a lot of thought into the story, but the story isn't at all unique. Yeah. And like, it's not something that people play. The, nobody plays World of Warcraft just for the story. Oh, yeah. They play for the experience of playing the game. This is a movie, again, and it it doesn't have any audience interaction. I think when you strip away the elements of what makes it a video game and you're left with the story, its status as a bare-bones, basically hatchet job of all these other fantasy elements gets laid bare. Yeah, and in addition, I feel like a lot of, to kind of make up for those those bare-bones like setting, there was an addition of a lot of what I would call like movie tropes garbage, like this uh, lady half-orc now has to fall in love with the humans because a movie has to have a romantic subplot. Yeah. You have to introduce, you know, you have to give him a son because that makes his character more relatable when the sure. son dies. Yeah. I felt like Blizzard wrote the original draft of the story and then took it to a boardroom full of movie people and they were <laughs> like, all right, here's how I make this into a movie. And they and, and they the, All the executives got those little money signs over the eyes and yeah. they got ka-ching. But yeah, I feel like they, they tried to make... A mo- you know, the gist is they tried to make a story that would go on a video game because a video game has a lot more elements to it. They tried to adapt that to a movie and replace those video game elements with movie elements, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, I completely so, agree. To kind of move on to that, um, let's talk about another game that has... It really marries the like gameplay and story elements sure. and uh, may or may not be getting a movie ad- adaptation sometime there in are the rumors. future. There are rumors. And... Uh, there was an attempt in the past. Um, apparently, it didn't work out very well. Apparently, right. a single person killed it because they didn't like how it was going. But I won't tease you any longer. Bioshock. Now, that's one of the biggest games in the last few years. It has, like, a crazy, uh, what would you call it, pedigree. Yeah. Um, you know, it's descended from... Huge reputation. Yeah. Incredibly influential. Um, it's on my top five, in my top yeah. five, for like a, most most amazing experiences I've ever had with any medium. Oh, yeah. Um, it's Spirit's successor to System Shock, which is another game that r- marries uh, mm-hmm. gameplay and storytelling. And Bioshock takes place in, in the underground, underwater city yes. of Rapture, um, which is sort of this pipe dream created by a guy named Andrew Ryan, um, whose name sound is spelled a lot like Anne Rand, and that's <laughs> no coincidence at all. Not the one from Punch Out, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's basically this guy Andrew Ryan was a was a um, billionaire who created this underwater city because he became fed up with government regulation of science and discovery. And he basically gave all these scientists these crazy drugs and these crazy substances, and they just let, they just, he, his mantra was go crazy. Yeah. And the problem he, is that's exactly what they did. And it became a huge dystopia. And it's a commentary on what it's, what it means to follow your ideals to the bitter end. And it's, you play as a guy who's playing crashes and he goes into this underwater crashes in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and he finds himself in this underwater city and he has to try to contend with the horrors beneath the water. Yeah. It's amazing. And yeah. kind of from there is it's one of those stories again I mentioned System Shock but it's one of those stories you show up after all the action has gone down. Right. So you're kind of piecing together the narrative based on whatever you find whether it be interactions with the survivors, audio logs you find around, just like architecture, and you kind of piece together the narrative. Right. And throughout the story, you are uh, you talk with this guy called Atlas. And he's all chummy, he's really your friend, 
Um, Spoiler alert incoming, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the game's been out, what, 10 years? Uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so he's really chummy, he's your friend, and then you realize at the end, he's the big bad guy. He's the one who caused all this. Right. And even mo- And even worse than that is you realize the entire time he's manipulated you, not just like, you know... He hasn't just manipulated you. He's manipulated you using, like, hypnosis. You realize... So the way the twist works, you you meet Andrew Ryan, and Andrew Ryan begins to manipulate your actions by, by using a, a trigger phrase, which in this case is, would you kindly? So he could say something like, would you kindly go through that door? And you're forced to go through that door. Sit. Would you kindly? Stand. Would you kindly? Andrew Ryan does that several different times in your interaction with him, and then in a sudden flashback, you realize that everything Atlas has ever said to you has begun with "Would you kindly?" Would you kindly? Would you kindly get this? Would you kindly find that? Would you kindly find that? Would you kindly find? Would you kindly get this? Would you kindly head to Ryan's office and kill the son of a bitch? Which you assumed up to this point was just a nervous tick or a yeah, just the the way he spoke. Right, exactly. So in that moment, it becomes. A commentary the game is designed so that whatever atlas says that's the only thing you can really do to progress the story yeah like you'll he'll say uh go kill all those guys so you can get in the pod and go where you need to go and that's the only thing you can do to progress the story forward then the objective pops up on the screen you know fight your way to the escape pod right and so when you realize that everything you've been told to do was just a manipulation of your character. It becomes this commentary on how does game design manipulate the player yeah. and how, how are games designed to get you to do certain things and why are they designed that way? And is a game, do you really have any choice in a game or right, are you really exactly. just on rails? Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the prime reasons where, why I think a Bioshock vi- movie adaptation would be an absolute disaster because fundamentally at the game's core, it's themes concern manipulation and whether or not there's such a thing as free will, which are questions that belong in video games. Yeah, and that's not saying that Bioshock does not have a very strong narrative, does not have a very strong setting, but I think it would do kind of the story a disservice right. to not have those gaming elements in it. Well, and it's and just, it's something you can't, it, do, it doesn't hit as hard if you just see it. You have to right. experience it. So. Going on from that, and I'd like to point out those were the exact same points we brought up with Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on from that, there is a mo- video game adaptation coming out this Christmas, which <laughs> I think is really funny, um, of Assassin's Creed, which is another blockbuster video game franchise that is being brought to the silver screen by none other than Michael Fassbender, who is starring in the film and producing it. So he has taken an active role in the film's production. Yeah. So before we start, uh, how into the Assassin's Creed games are you? I played the first two. I played a little bit of Brotherhood, and I played three. Yeah. Um, I played, uh, I think, three hours of the first one, um, eight hours of Black Flag, and that's about it. Yeah. But um, I do, I, I uh, Let's Play viewed... Right, exactly. Uh, on YouTube, I just watch Let's Plays of a lot of them. Needless so I'm, to say, I'm fairly familiar with yeah, the story. Yeah, needless to say, we're both pretty familiar with how these yeah. games work and what their whole thing is. I mean, you know, any any game where you can fist fight the Pope is inherently, 
inherently pretty good. I had forgotten but. about that best ending of all time. But uh, Assassin's Creed, I feel like in terms of a movie, I think it has a strong case for a movie adaptation just because it's it's already mostly based in history. The narrative is really already kind of closer to movie than video games. Yeah. And to me, the interactive elements of Assassin's Creed just aren't really as important to kind of the overall plot. Again, there are moments like fist fighting the Pope that are very impactful and just wouldn't have the same impact viewing it. But I feel like the the kind of like cinematic universe, kind of the setting they've shown up, it's already there. It's something we've seen in movies before, and it's not really exclusive to a video game like we've seen in these other two. I actually agree. I think of the franchises that have been ad- adapted to the silver screen, Assassin's Creed is one of them that has the best chance for success. And I think that's because narratively, it, the original game and the franchise in general was a huge step forward for video games. Yeah, The narrative is very complex. It's It requires player interaction, but it doesn't rely on it. And in many cases, the camera is distant from your character. Yeah. And it, you're always viewing what he does. And while you control what he does, there's a separation that isn't present in a first-person game like Bioshock. Not to mention there's a huge potential for a lot of great action sequences. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would definitely say Assassin's Creed as a game, the fights are very theatrical. You're not just like stabbing a guy. You're waiting for him to swing a sword at you so you can grab his wrist, push him aside, or redirect the sword into another guy. It's very, uh, I can't really think of how to describe cinematic. it. Cinematic. Yeah, a very cinematic uh, style of fighting. Kind of made popular with games like uh, like Batman, Arkham Asylum, all that. Um, it's generally an Arkham system they kind of call Overall, I think it does probably have the best potential. There's a great potential for success there. I am skeptical, if only because of the history of video game adaptations to movies, but it's something that I will go see in the theater, and if it's awful, so be it. Yeah, I think bottom line, what's the story presented in Assassin's Creed, it doesn't rely on the video game format, but, you know, I think it'll be pretty good, maybe get a better reception than Warcraft. We'll see. That's we'll not see. that's not saying much. But yeah, that's about it for that discussion. Thanks for listening to the Emerald Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please visit dailyemerald.com or subscribe on, to our podcast on iTunes. Catch you later.